you know, we're looking for that. Like that, you know, we're looking for a problem that we can help solve. Yeah, I may design clothes and 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 stuff, right? Right, backpacks and shoes and bags and you know, logos and whatever, right? But I mean, I design restaurants and salons and spaces, right? I don't know if there's a huge difference in discipline in, in that sense. There's a problem, you need a solution. Apply all your tools, you know, in your design, you know, in your acumen, in all of your 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 accumulated um, val- uh, experience, and throw it at a problem and see if you can solve it. I don't know if I can solve it, but I will try and I will think outside the box critically to figure out a way to do it. And I, I think that's fun, you know. Hey, welcome back to Hoy Real, everybody. Uh, if you haven't subscribed yet, what are you waiting for? Hit that subscribe button below. And today I have with me a special guest from Fitted Hawaii, Keola Posable. How are you doing today, man? Good, man. Thank you for the uh, invite. Yeah, no, thank you for coming on such short notice, man. And uh, yeah. so you're the co-founder of Fitted, and you guys are specialized in the, those uh, hats. Special yep. hats that we see around and going for like a couple hundred dollars on eBay and stuff like that. Yeah, thankfully, it's like super impressive that uh, you guys were able to do that, you know. And they're not beanie babies, like that's the that's the fab- the fabulous thing. It's like they actually have a purpose. They're a hat, and you can wear it. They have character. Beanie baby, it's a kids toy. You guys don't sell beanie babies, do you? We do not. No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, we we're talking about you guys started in 2004, started the store in about 2005. How did you get involved in creating? like a hat business and a clothing business? Um, I would say as far as Philly goes, uh, my partner, Renee Matheson, um, he's a pro skater. And uh, in the 90s, he was very, very popular. Um, traveled the world and uh, he did um, he did tours, multiple tours, Japan, Europe, um, through the Americas. And uh, I think um, he was on a outer island and I think he broke his ankle really bad he had a high ankle sprain um and he was just starting to rethink what uh what the next chapter was going to be for him um we were friends just we had mutual friends and we started hanging out um and I was always into fashion and design so you know we would talk all the time and I remember this one conversation we had on my friend's balcony on Nahua um, where he asked me, Hey, what are you doing? And I was like, Oh, I'm going to fashion school. He's like, well, what do you want to do? And I was like, Oh, I want to own my own brand. He said, Oh, that's cool. Like what? And he was expecting me to say like, you know, like surf or skate or, and I was like, Oh, I have a women's clothing line. And he was like, Oh, that's cool. Uh, if you know how, like I grew up in Kalu where, um, a lot of my friends are very, um, alpha male, mm-hmm. you know, um, and I remember feeling a bit um, weird telling people, oh, I design women's oh, clothes. Oh, bro, what are you going to do that for? Exactly. Yeah. Um, and uh, and with him, he was like, that's tight. I, you know, I haven't heard anybody really aspire to be a designer designer. It's definitely unique. Yeah. Right. It's just, oh, I'm going to make T-shirts and we're mm-hmm. going to sell T-shirts. And I wasn't really that. I figured everybody can make a T-shirt, right? Um quickest way to become a uh, uh an owner of a brand is to make a graphic a logo and put it on a t-shirt which is great and you know it's very um 
is very uh, effective if you have good ideology and 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 good design skills. But for me, I wanted to learn how to how to how to produce a garment. Uh, I wanted to learn how um, all the steps it takes to develop a brand. Um, not a brand in in that brand sense. I wanted to create garments and I wanted to create cr- like a craft. So, um, so we, we, you know, we, we were friends and, uh, eventually, um, he was on a trip to New York and, um, and he was flying back and called me as soon as he landed. He said, bro, I got this crazy idea. Where are you? He's at like 10 at night that New York flight lands. And I was filling in, in an art show for a friend who couldn't make it. He's from LA. And he basically sent a bunch of stuff, um, T-shirts, and I took his T-shirts and I made garments out of it. You know, I cut and sold and draped and pinned and did all of these, you know, things. And um, and I was and we represented it in this art show. I was like, oh, I'm 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 here. Um, you know, come by. He's like, okay, shoot. He was like, hey, meet me outside. I was like, come inside. He's like, no, 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 but I got this idea. Sounds suspicious, huh? Right, exactly. <laughs> so I so I walk outside. I'm like, what's up? He's like, let's go take a walk. And we're at Ward Center at the time. Um, I'm at, at our buddy's store called Information. By the way, shout out to them because they let me, they let me put my sewing machine and my dress form and all of my tools upstairs in the attic, and they gave me a little space so I could make and create garments. Um, so he tells me, "Hey, you and I are going to do a hat store." And I was like, "We're going to do a hat store." I was like, "Wait, what, what do you mean?" He's like. I just got this idea. There's no boutique hat stores. We're going to get the new era account. We're going to create our own. We're going to create our own hats. We're going to be 100% designed by us. And um, we're going to do something that nobody's doing. And at the time, um, this was 2013, December 2013. And uh, sorry, call him Mike. 2003, um, December 2003. And in 2002, I'd lost my mom. Um, the year prior to that, he had lost his mom. So we, we've, it's weird. We have these conversations about how we're on the same cycle. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, his mom passes away. A year later, my mom passes away. Um, he gets married, has a daughter. I get married. I have a daughter. He has another daughter. I have another daughter. So your I mean, lives are intertwined. Like yeah, that. it's like this weird thing. But um, so at the time, I was, I, I lost my mom. I just broken up with my girlfriend at the time. I moved out of the apartment. I was living out of my car, but I had all my things in my car and sleeping on my sister's couch. I mean, I basically called her one night and I'm like, hey, can I sleep on your couch? She's like, of course. Packed up all my stuff. And I, I mean, I was like, it was a pretty rough time for me. Um, but I had got offered a job at, a, at my friend's um, clothing company in, in California. And uh, and it was a menswear brand. I hadn't, I mean, I was still, I think I was just fresh out of, out of out of college, out of um, out of design school, and I was interning at Tory Richard. I worked at a gas station in in Kaneohe for eleven years, by the way. And I was still, I still, I, and then I was valeting. So I had technically I had three jobs, and I was still going to school. But I was rock bottom, you know. I was like, I was like, man, what am I gonna do, right? Like, I loved what I was doing at Tory Richard. I felt like I was moving towards my career. I had a four hundred one k. I had. Um, you know, I was getting paid salary. I was like, man, is, is this, it? you know, this is, I'm on my way. But I was miserable. I was living on my sister's couch. I was, I had my clothes in brown and black heavy duty bags. And um, 
I was like, maybe I should move to LA and just try and 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 try and see if I can I can you know matriculate through um, the design world, get real experience and create value and etc. Um, but then but then Renee had had asked you know he had asked me yeah, let's make ads. He's like let's make ads and. I was like, now did he see that from New York? Coming from, was there like boutique store hats uh, in New no. York that he saw that got this idea from? I think at the time, um, what was really happening and bubbling was, um, well, sneaker stores were sort of really like the coolest thing out, right? Mm-hmm. Is these really uh, tier zero boutiques where Nike would would um, y- you would have these stores like Kicks was a tier zero, Huffin in San Francisco was a tier zero. Um, Undefeated was a tier zero in LA. There was a, there was a handful of places that could sell these really exclusive uh, Nike product. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that that kind of sparked the idea. And um, But nobody was doing headwear. And him and I we, I, we would go to like every lids we could to find, you know, a, a MLB hat, um, a fitted at the time. And we... We just shared in similar similarities. You know, we we love this place, um, and uh, we wanted to tell stories of this place. I didn't know what it was like to grow up in New York or LA, mm-hmm. um, so I couldn't I couldn't tell the story of 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 that right of of of, of um, uh, an urban street sort of scenario. Mm-hmm. But I but I can tell a story of a kid growing up in the country and how I was influenced by music influenced by design, um, influenced by architecture and furniture. I mean, all of these things are sort of esoteric in a sense to someone like me growing up from where I come from. But I love that sort of contrast, right? That, that, that juxtaposing these very contemporary ideas along with like, uh, being Kanaka and, and what does that look like? What does it look like to design, um, from a very, uh, Kanaka mindset, but present it in this interesting street culture, right? This 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 sort of fast-paced, uh, quick strike, low number scarcity. This the, the professionals call it scarcity model. Mm-hmm. At the time, it was just like we couldn't afford to we couldn't afford to fail uh, in terms of our buys. So we were designing our our own product, and if we were over buying a, a design that that failed that sucked then for us it would probably ruin us right so did the scarcity model like push you guys to purchase low amounts of uh product or design product <laughs> and and that way made the scarcity because you didn't want to fail and buy like 500 hats so you only bought like 20 hats yeah so i would say the scarcity model didn't have a definition when we started yeah. it was pretty much um when we opened we opened in a traditional model a traditional um, calendar would go four seasons, three deliveries each season, uh, and then they would have some overlap of uh, one week or two week within that season, um, and then you would sort of build out your build out your scale um, per skew within that within that structure. So we tried that, right? We had, I think six. We had six T-shirts, four designs. And we did a bunch of custom MLB hats because at the time there wasn't we there wasn't the capability of designing our own. We call them tapes now, embroidery tapes. But then there we didn't have the capability of it. We could only design 
colorways in uh, San Diego Padres or New York Yankees, which was at the time it was very like like um, it was it was it was very exciting because no, I think Spike Lee was the first to ask New Era if he can have a different color in a New York Yankees hat. And it sort of started this trend of flipping colors. That was very exciting at the time, right? Because we were buying black on black hats from Lids. Yeah, I think I saw that like back in yeah two thousand two, two thousand one ish, where like the New York Yankees came out with a black hat with a black logo. You couldn't really see the logo, but it was popped out. Yep. You could see it reflect in the light, kind of thing. People went bonkers over that. Right, just that subtle nuance of oh, it's not a navy and white Yankees yeah. hat. Whoa, you know. Um, so we expanded on that capability, and that's what we opened with. We had, I think we had 40 different designs. And mind you, getting a new era account was not easy. I mean, it was every day calling, every day asking for filling out multiple um, multiple applications. Um, I mean, here's this hat store. Here's these two kids from the middle of the ocean in the Pacific asking the biggest headwear manufacturer for to, to give us a chance, right? They're like, it's going to cost you this much just to get in. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it was a big number for us. And we're like, just to get, just to apply? Yeah. And you're going to be, like, they assigned us uh, a rep from a region that had nothing, didn't knew nothing about Hawaii. Mm-hmm. So, like, we were having, they, they were trying to push us to buy inline product. And we're like, we don't want inline product. We want to create our own product. But we 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 almost had to buy in line to sort of get them to budge. So what know? is that? What do you mean buy in line? Basically, they have their design team in house, and they would put out line sheets and each of basically the traditional model. So you're just buying templated kind of hats. Um, every year they have their own traditional, you know, seasons with colors and themes, and then they put it out to to their accounts, and then their accounts buy. Um, it's the structure makes sense if you're a big brand and you're trying to organize. For us, we were two guys. We were working the shop. We were splitting the hours. I mean, we just needed product that was different. So um, having that, having that, uh, those colorway flips was very important for us. Very cool. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. This is early on, though, because it got way thick. Like the ideas got much more robust the, the the execution the fabrics everything got more as their capabilities grew and they created they they created an entire division dedicated to brands like us but it didn't exist before that so before that they didn't have that they were going for the mass production kind of things and then when you guys started being successful and other shops like yours started yep. being successful around the country they started tailoring more to your type of shop yeah um i think I think they noticed that there was a, a a value in low quantity, high concept uh, product, and they started to allow. Um, they call them tastemakers. It's called their tastemaker account, um, and there's only a, there's only a handful still to this day. I think they even have less today than they did when when at, at the peak there was a ton of people. You know, brands. Brands could um, apply, and if if they approve them, they would do collaborations with them. But now there's a very, there's a, only a handful of, especially with COVID, um, they cut a lot of the accounts. So we're very fortunate that we're considered a brand partner. I mean, like I said, we're just two kids from the middle of the ocean, and we created enough um, uh, value for for them that they would invest back in us and 
give us this the highest tier of account which is which is awesome which is i mean we didn't we didn't we didn't think that it would become that when we started but we certainly hope that we could figure it out is it beyond your expectations of what uh, you planned when you first started from where you are now i would say i didn't know how it looked how or how we would get there but I, but i knew the feeling of success would be realized at some level Okay, so you were telling me before we even started recording that you got your start as a miniature entrepreneur when you were like eight years old and your your mom was making these little uh, trinkets and stuff like that. And one of the big ones was the the coal helmets with the feathers and everything that people had hanging on their uh, rear view mirrors and stuff. I know I had one in college. Yeah, um, my mom and my stepdad, my stepdad was a, was a cabinet maker, so he was a craftsman. He was also the groundskeeper at Wahole Elementary, um, so he would cut the grass and stuff while mm -hmm. I was in class. But anyways, my my parents, um, they were how we survived in the eighties. Uh, were they, along with our free free labor, my sister and I, we um, we created uh, namel or like things, um, and it was it, it, like we did miniature puiliilis, ipus, ipuhekes, um, makinis, which is the helmets. Um, uh, lomi sticks, uh, hair picks. Um, yeah, we did all these little things um, and we would take it to the Handcrafters Guild or we were part of the Handcrafters Guild um, and we would make the circuits. Uh, back then, there's no internet, so really we would have to make our things, set up our tent, and we had this little rolling, we had this little rolling um, hanger and there were these, you know, really miniature, uh, m miniature items of these, you know, they're like scaled items and that we'd hang them on what we call Christmas trees, um, which is pine trees back then, because at the time we couldn't really afford uh, Douglas firs or whatever it's called. So, um, yeah, we would just we would make these ornaments during the peak season of um, of uh, October, November and December. And as a little kid, what was your what was your role in all that? Cleaning Kamani nuts, picking Kamani nuts, um, uh, drilling in these Kamani nuts picking out all the nut inside so we could use that nut for for the eyes of the makini um ipuhekes uh so we'd glue them together we would have uh we would have uki grass or raffia um yeah sanding milo sanding koa uh for the for the hair picks um guava you know cutting guava sticks for lomi lomi sticks i mean Whatever it is my parents needed us to do, I think every day after school, we had to clean like 30 or 40 kamani nuts on the on a belt sander. Oh. That was like, and then we would sit there and go, and the thing would fly. <laughs> bang, bang, bang. And uh, I remember, I remember after the season was done, we had to clean the garage and there would just be hundreds of kamani nuts everywhere that we would lose, you know. But we had this drawer that my dad would just keep filling up. Okay, you gotta clean. You know, every day we had to clean Kamani nuts. So, yeah, we were free labor. <laughs> but then we'd also have to set up the booth. Like I remember, we had our we had a system, right? We had our we had our um, we had a rolling cart that he built that had four doors, and each door consisted of um, hooks with um, with uh, paper clips, and that's how we that's how we organized all of the ornaments. And then we'd have back then was old school. Um, tents we never had pop-ups back then so we had our tent 
with all of the with all of the the couplings and mm -hmm. and and those things and we had a tarp so everything was like a system and we packed it up in our vw van our teal if anybody knows me from the 80s and my mom we had a teal vw bus i don't think it was a 72 or 71 bus oh, geez. yeah it's a collector's item now, right? And the seat wasn't bolted in, and the seat would like would move every time we drive over to Lique. and it was yeah, it was good times. But that's where I learned. I think that's where I got the spirit from, mm -hmm. knowing that hey, bro, we can we can live and we can be okay. I mean, I remember after having a good day at the craft fair, we'd go kimchi one. Mm -hmm. Kimchi one was like that was like we had a good day, you know. And you guys like spending the cash that you just made. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, you know, we, he would, my stepdad would earmark, like, if we have a good day yeah. today, we get to eat yeah. out. If not, we got to go home and eat, you know, stuff. Because yeah, that really instills like the spirit of entrepreneurship. Like, Hey, I made this product over the past few weeks or months or whatever. And then now I'm selling it. Yep. And with that money, I'm going to go eat. Yeah. I think, I think just the, the realization and the value of, of, uh, creating something out of, out of things, right. Just like going going to the park uh, with Swansea. Swansea's had the best kamani nut tree. And we would pick kamani nuts. And then we'd take the kamani nuts home and we'd make stuff from it and we'd sell it. Like my mom would make, my sister and I actually make the sales too. And I think it was then that it was, it, it, the, the leap wasn't as, it wasn't as harsh. Like I didn't think it was a big deal. Like, oh, yeah, I'll just make something, mm -hmm. you know what I mean, and sell it. Like, it wasn't like this barrier for me. Like you grew up doing it. Yeah. It's like, whatever, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'll sell whatever I have. Yeah. You know, I'll just make it and sell it. It's, it's all good. There was no barrier there. I think that's like a huge problem uh, with these days with like Native Hawaiians and locals in general. It's like they don't have that that uh, entrepreneurial spirit as they're growing up from childhood. So that's it really is a big jump, you know. Yeah, I would, I would say that we... we growing up in a native Hawaiian community and um, that there's a lot of love and, and, and support, but then there's also a lot of um, uh, like, you know, we hear it a lot, crabs in a bucket, right? It's like, you know, we support you um, building and growing uh, uh, until you're doing better than me, right? Like I support you doing something, just not doing better than me. And I always like felt weird about that because, um, I mean, I knew what it was like to 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 mom sending me into times at Temple Valley with ten dollar uh, food stamps to go buy something for her. Um, you know, we lived O'Connor Road, so we'd walk over the mountain and we'd go to Times, grab it, and walk back over the mountain. I mean, that was that was normal, you know. Um, so I so I kind of like I don't I didn't understand like I you know I I, I never thought we were poor, you know. Like my sister and I talk about it all the time, like. We never felt that we were struggling. It was just what it was. It was very joyful. We had a great upbringing. You know, my dad was a cabinet maker. We had no cabinets. We had no cabinet doors. Cabinets were open-faced. And I was like, dad, why don't you just make cabinets? He's like, I'm busy making cabinets all day at work. I don't want to make cabinets at oh home. My God, yeah. So it was interesting to, you know, to see that side too. That's super interesting. A cabinet maker doesn't have cabinets at home because yeah. he's just... Just too tired, too, just over it, uh, too much things to do. I mean, we also had that business, right? We had to make stuff to take to the craft fair. So, yeah. I think at early age, I understood, mm, I understood that you needed to hustle, right? Like, it wasn't, 
like I knew that it that our life like we had fun I I love I love how I was raised and I never knew it was struggling I never knew it was that other people I tell you I tell you, tell you a story so I grew up on Connor Road and I had a friend that lived down the street um Chad Tom how's it if you're listening Chad how's it um his his dad owned a construction company so he was a general contractor so they, they had a big house nice everything but I remember after playing, the mom made us SpaghettiOs. And I ate SpaghettiOs and I went home. I was like, Mom, what? Bro, he just threw this thing in a microwave. She's like, uh, yeah, well, we're not buying that. <laughs> and I was like, well, oh, we can't afford that. <laughs> I get it, you know. I, at, the, at that time, it hit me. I mean, I grew up with HCAP. I don't know if you know HCAP, if no. anybody knows HCAP. So basically, I think it was Tuesdays, you could come in a brown bag. And you start at one side of the table and would be bread, government cheese. Would I say government? It's block cheese, right? Um, uh, what else did they have? Canned foods. There's a, and then you would start at one end and you come out the other end. And it was $5. And that was like normal, right? Like I never thought any of that stuff was like weird, you know? Until I got older and I see my friends got all these like microwavable, <laughs> you know what I mean? SpaghettiOs. I didn't even taste SpaghettiOs before, you know? So, um yeah, growing up was was normal, I think, in my mind. Um, but I, it created value for me because as I got older, older, I understood, oh, man, my parents were struggling, you know? Like, they struggled to make it happen. And uh, I appreciate that. And I think, it, I think it laid the groundwork for, you know, where I'm at now. So you have children, right? I do. Are I do. you? So, like, your parents, obviously, they tried to do as much as they could to make your, your and your sister's life better than theirs. Are you trying to do the same with uh, your children? Are you bringing in the entrepreneurial spirit with your children? Uh, maybe not in the same fashion, you know, sanding the nuts and everything, but, you know, are they getting involved with your business? Yeah, right now they are. Um, so my daughter's, my daughter's three. Okay. My youngest is three. My, uh, my older daughter's eight. Then I also have a stepson um, that I had from a previous, uh, a previous relationship. He's 22 now. He spent a lot of time with me building, um, fitted, um, sweeping and mopping and uh, folding T-shirts. And um, as he graduated from high school, he, I would have him packing boxes and stuff like that. Um, and then my new, my my eight-year-old, she's in my office three times a week, distance learning. Mm. So she's she's very integrated into my business and and, uh, but you know I, I don't particularly want them to it's funny because my wife also has a business and she comes from an entrepreneurial family and she just felt like i think it's just it's instilled in us as as we're young to be like oh it's okay like i was talking about barriers right there's there's no there's no barriers to it so it just becomes natural to take that step you know people say oh you gotta have balls to do stuff like that it's like it's whatever it is right it's it's, it's no big deal Right. Like if I fail, how bad can it be? Right. I mean, I, I already know what it's like to be on 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 uh, government, what, you know, assistance. I, I grew up that way. My mom, after they got divorced, she was a single mother. My sister and I both went to college, both graduated, both have careers. So she did something right. You know, so I think it's less about that. And it's about the values that we instill in our children. And I think by us, for me personally, seeing my mom struggle as she got older, really motivated me. 
I mean, like really motivated me. I did not want to feel that ever. You know, my mom struggled to buy a house and uh, she never realized that after she got a divorce with my stepdad. And I was like, I'm going to buy a house. You know what I mean? Like I, whatever I got to do, I'm going to buy a house. So I was, I've been laser, laser focused on that for the past 20 years, you know. So finally, my wife and I bought a house, you know, and man, it was the most gratifying. My sister's on her third. <laughs> I'm like, geez. So, um, yeah, I think it's just a value and and that that if it's around you and it becomes normal, you know, it just it's a part of our honor. It becomes part of our characteristic trait to achieve yeah, to 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 be focused on achieving. Um, never. Con- I'm ne- I'm never satisfied, you know, like I'm I'm still struggling till today. I'm 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 still focused on the next goal and the next idea and the next execution and the next uh, brief or study. Right. Like these are like in, in my day, I'm doing four or five different briefs and studies and executions. Uh, you know, I'm doing so many different stuff a day that I can't stop to be like, oh, I made it. Like, no way. You know, I'm I'm going to keep going. Yeah, I've had a lot of entrepreneurs and business owners um, on this show. And one of the main things they all have in common is that they're not satisfied. And there's always something next that they're going, that they're striving for and striving for. They're never like, they're never at the top. They've never completed their hike to the top of that mountain. Like they're, they're still yeah. going, they're still going, they're still going. I would never want to be number one. You know, I, I constantly want to be looking up. I think that's important. You know, uh, it gives you, keeps you, keeps that edge, you know, keeps it fresh. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, it's interesting right now when we talk about that, um, all these businesses that have been closing, it's, uh, it's very, very dissatisfying to see the state of affairs for small businesses. Um, I mean, I know how hard it is and I know, I know the struggle and, um, you know, we have friends that had to close down their stores, uh, restaurants that had to close. And, and, and I'm like very, it's a very stressful time, you know? And when we made the decision to, to pivot and move the way we moved, we were positioned very well for this, um, in the sense where our strategies of small quantity, high, small quantity of product high quantity of designs so what i mean by that is quick strike you know um a lot of businesses can't pivot like that and it's unfortunate that we're in this position you know that some of the leadership that we have you know i I question some of the stuff some of the decisions that they're making i mean we're we're gutting our we're gutting the the fabric of 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 our community of these islands with these small businesses, these mom and pop shops and, and, you know, this very integral, um, a web that we've built, it took 50, 60 years to build, you know, um, some of these businesses have been around for 50 something years and they're closing. It's, 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 it's unnerving to see this, right? We, we should be focused on supporting these small businesses and getting them the support that they need, figuring out ways that we can stay open in this time. And I, I'm very frustrated about that. And, and um, I wish that, I wish that there was more thought and care um, in, in, into that aspect, because when this is over and we look at the Papa and it's, and it's desolate, 
I don't want to be the only one standing or I don't, you know what I mean? I don't, I, I mean, I want to be standing because I have Kuliana, but, but I don't want to be the, I don't want my friends to be there. I, I, competition is good. Um, like I want to see, I want to see people, you know, survive this attrition, right? This, this mental attrition and the physical attrition that's happening. And it's, uh, it's a thing that I think about every day, you know, um, we were positioned properly, I guess, for it. And I've been hustling. The, during during this this pandemic and you know this we've been fortunate to to pick up some some design work and and you know every month pivot this and that and you know we've we've had huge issues with supply chain that we've we've had to navigate through but um fortunately you know like i said we've been able to survive this far the longer this goes the harder it gets right so so we really need a we really need like some 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 really solid ideas and execution from our leadership. Isolation is our best tool. I mean, even in this pandemic, right? Like if we would have used our best attribute, which is our isolation, we would have, we, and we shut everything down when we knew that there was, you know, early on and just kept the economy going, a circular economy. We could have really tested, pressure tested the idea of a circular economy here. I think that that would have been important. I think that would have been an innovative idea right to keep every business open let us fly inter-island but nobody coming in zero not mainland not not overseas and see if we can be self-sustainable i think that would have been a more fruitful um like we would have not had any issues with 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 um matson right you know matson has that big contract thing going on because mm -hmm. they have to cut right because there's not enough goods and stuff being being shipped in between the islands and, and i got friends who who work on the docks and got, get, got laid off. And I mean, it's just, it's, it's happening all over, but the, our, our attribute of isolation, we're the most isolated landmass in the entire world, world, not just right. right? We're already, we're already winning, right? We, we already won against COVID if we got it early, right? If, if we would have made that decision early and been like, bro, just shut it down, keep everything open. Everybody outside in cannot come in, but every everybody inside, like we give everybody like, okay, you guys got 15 days to get home wherever you're at. And then you, we're going to put you guys in quarantine, two week quarantine. That's better than the seven month quarantine that we've been. Okay. We're going to do, we're going to do two week quarantine and everything turned into, you know, 80 days. It's like, what are we doing? And we're going to constantly be chasing, right? I think, I think, um, um, design and execution through technology is very important um, for us to harvest right now because uh, we have the platform to do it, right? People can look from the outside and see, hey, the system works or they're pressure testing this idea, you know? We talked a little bit about holograms in streets and stuff like that instead of having stop signs or, yeah. you know, um, cr crosswalks, pedestrians getting banged. I mean, I feel like we have an opportunity to use critical thought and design brief um, to solve some issues that we have. But I don't know, for some reason, we're not really paying attention to the arts or the design community for solutions. We're not turning to them for solutions. We yeah. always, we it's always, all like the old way, the old yeah, school way. Yeah, especially here, right? It's like, doesn't make sense because we have the opportunity. We're very small, you know? It, we If we fail, it's easy for us to pivot right it's easy for us to write the ship again um and i could be just talking out of my ass but but i mean being a designer you know this is all i think about 
is how can we improve on the doorknob? How can we improve on, you know, asphalt? How can we improve on construction techniques, right? How can we improve on, you know, it's like prefab. Prefab is the is a response to to the waste waste of time, labor, and management of building things, right? You just prefab it and then wheel it on site. You know, you spend two weeks assembling it on site, but three months building it in a factory. It's controlled. It has, right? Those are all design techniques and 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 it's it's to solve a problem and we have a lot of problems that we could solve using design so it's super interesting like your 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 main thing is being a designer but you're also like a, a genuine problem solver and you're looking for those problems to solve and those holes to fill yeah it's a problem i have <laughs> it's as designers, i don't think that's a problem that, that you know we need more human beings like that I, you know, amongst my amongst my peers, my design peers, it's always like, man, why do we try to solve every problem? You know, we're looking for that. Like you said, you know, we're looking for a problem that we can help solve. Yeah, I may design clothes and 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 stuff, right? Like backpacks and shoes and bags and you know logos and whatever, right? But I mean, I design restaurants and salons and spaces, right? I don't know if there's a huge difference in discipline in, in that sense. There's a problem. You need a solution. Apply all your tools, you know, in your design, you know, in your acumen, in all of your 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 accumulated um, val- uh, experience, and throw it at a problem and see if you can solve it. I don't know if I can solve it, but I will try and I will think outside the box critically to figure out a way to do it. And I, I think that's fun, you know. It is fun. It's totally fun, especially when you do end up solving a problem. Oh, it's super gratifying. Yeah, it's so gratifying. <laughs> and, and it's funny because I remember before, I was thinking about this the other day, um, you know, 20 years ago, I remember sitting down trying to figure out when I was in design school and, and I had to, you know, submit whatever project. Um, oh, what am I going to call my my label? And I was so generic back then, I called it Ola, right? Like, it, it was my name, right? Life in Hawaiian. And uh, I look back at it now, I remember I could not think critically and solve this brand issue I, you know i was so like i didn't have enough experience i didn't create i didn't create enough uh, uh interference in ish in my life to solve ex- ex- those ex- those problems exponentially so um now when i'm you know i sit down with a brief i i have a process and like i you know i i pull out i pull out i can read a paragraph pull out some words and then create a brand from just those words. And it's from a process that I've learned over time. It's very interesting. Because I was thinking about it the other day. Like, you know, if somebody wanted to create a brand, I mean, it takes time, right? A brand takes time. And I'm not a, you know, I'm not a problem solver. I can solve everybody's brand problem. But I can tell a story and I can figure out a way to help you tell your story uh, visually. So that's the fun part, yeah. Like, yeah, because your your hats always have like not always, but they mostly have every, like different logos and stuff. Like everything that has a story, right? Yeah, every product we put out has a story, has to. So like I I talk about this, and you probably see interviews I've done in the past. I have like this design process that um it's a four step process that that step one is like it has to be handsome, right? It has to have some sort of uh, visual handsomeness to it. Um, Two, there needs to be a reason why it's handsome, whether it be color or visually, oh, hey, that's cool material or, you know, et cetera. And then the third one has to have kauna. So everything has to support the the prior step. 
So the kauna, oh, why, why does that fabric, you know, does that fabric have a story? Oh well, yeah, it's multi-cam, it's, it's grown, it's a hundred percent American made product. The content is grown in America. The inks are made in America. It's woven in America. Well, it's so you go that Hawaii. deep, you go that deep into the logo, into the designs. That's, that's the third step. The fourth step is Makavalu. So it has to have Makavalu. What and is Makavalu? Makavalu is, is like a Hawaiian, it's a Hawaiian word, right? Maka is eyes, Valu is eight. Evalu is eight. So it's to look at things with eight eyes. Um, it's also directional, a navigational directional, north, south, east, west, northwest, north, right? You, any path in life. Um, it's the way that our ancestors uh, split split the earth, right? You got Kealapolu Hiva Kane, Kealapolu Hiva Kanaloa, and then you got Kealapolu Hiva Kealakiku'uku, which is the equator. So they split, they split the, so like everything has to have a story to it. And that fourth one, I don't know, if, if, if that logo is handsome and this color supports that logo and then that logo is talking about Kamehameha, well, what's the Makavalu? Well, the Makavalu is that Kamehameha had this famous saying where he said, the endless is the, is the, is the good I have left you, right? I interpret that my way where it's like, like, endless is the good he's left us. Don't fuck it up. Sorry. I don't know if you got to bleep no, that No, you're out. good. Now. Okay. <laughs> So like now the, the kuleana is on me personally. Now mm-hmm. I have to make sure that everything we put out lives up to that, right? Like I cannot screw it up for the next generation, right? On the on the timeline of, of Pico E, Pico O, Pico A, which is our past, present, and our future, I have to make sure while I'm here in the present that I'm holding space, right? I'm I'm taking into account the people who came before me because I don't wanna I don't wanna dissatisfy them. Right. I want to make sure that when I get there, I'm greeted with with love and respect. Right. Because I reverence them and I make sure that 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 I'm 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 connected to them that way while I'm here. And then my kids, my children, my the next generation that I'm leaving um, an example that they can outpace, that they can. That's standard. Dad did this. I got to do better than dad. So being responsible for my part of my timeline is also a, the same thing where I'm talking about. You know, Kamehameha has this this quote, the Makavalu of of um of this of this saying that he has, right? Of of endless is the good I have left you. That part is very important to me. So I tell that story through every product. And that also ties in the whole problem solving um, issue, right? Yeah. Uh, because you're you're trying to solve the problems for the future generations to actually not have those same problems. Well, it's heavy when you put it that way. <laughs> I just designed oh, Yeah, stuff. it's it's all linear, right? It's 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 what you're doing. I, I would like to think that some of the things that we do gives the next person uh, confidence to go out there and sort out their own solutions or their own problems that they have to solve. Gives them the confidence. Like, like we talked about barriers earlier. Gives them the confidence to not have to worry about the barriers. You know, and I think that's one of the hardest things to overcome is the barrier you put for yourself or others may put on you. And then you, it grows as like, you know, as an inferior, you know, complex or something. You build a complex from it. So, um, yeah, I want to I want to I'd like to think that, you know, some of the things that some of the 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 EK that we share, it, it, it gives some it gives people confidence. Okay, so beyond all of that that you just talked about, do you have a separate philosophy on your life? Hmm. That's a that's a thick one. 
uh, separate philosophy of my of my life. I, I, you know, I have a lot of them, um, and I and and it it goes in sections. Like I've you know when, with my children, how I raise my children, how I run my business. There's a philosophy, I guess you could call. It's more like a it's more like a way that we treat people. Um, and from a business standpoint, my partner and I, we've never we 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 always make sure that we pay people and we've never fucked anybody over that's kind of like standard and that just means that that i have to be accountable not only to myself but i have to be accountable to the people who are around me because they also have to be accountable for the people that they're uh, you know um uh responsible for um accountability is probably it's a broad term but accountability has been the 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 boundaries that keep me in my path. You know, I think that's why I've never got into crime. <laughs> I've never got um, like one of the things is never disappointing my mom mm. because I've, I've seen her struggles and I've eliminated disappointment from the equation as much as possible. Um, and I do that if you if you if you, you ask me about a philosophy, I never put myself in a situation where I have to make a bad decision. And I think that that has like resonated throughout my upbringing. I could feel when something's not right. I just remove myself from the situation, you know. And uh, I, I, I'm too close to the flame. I'm if I feel that I'm too, I'm too close. I'm out, you know. I, I, I don't like to follow people. I, you know, I, I want to make my own decisions on my own terms. Um, so uh, yeah, I feel like I guess that would be one of my core philosophies. Is is never putting myself in a position to make a bad decision. Yeah, I mean that's that's a great philosophy, and I I I know that a lot of people don't don't take that to heart uh, when they're growing up. It's just it's yeah, too it's too easy to. It's very easy to you put know? yourself in a bad situation where you're gonna make the you have to make either a bad decision or a worse decision. Yeah, and yeah, sometimes it's hard to stay out of those. But. There's another thing I think that we just we don't we don't put too much weight on and um i think it's it goes back to the accountability but it's also like like getting intimate with yourself right like knowing who you are the quicker you find out who you are and you find out the triggers and 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 how to suppress things and how to you know the push and pull within yourself the the quicker you can you can build your confidence so like what i mean by that is like um knowing knowing your personality traits so like okay so back on track like, I know that I forget a lot of things yeah. because there's a lot of stuff going on in my head. So I'll put, I'll, I'll put um, fail safes, right? I'll, I'll put a valve, not a valve. I'll put a fail safe to stop, to like, to like remind myself of where things are. And, and I don't know, some people call it OCD, mm -hmm. but like, I'll like, I'll like put something back in the exact same place my entire life. So I'll never have to deal with that again. Cause if not, I'll just go off the rails, right? Like, wow, where's my keys? Where's yeah, my wallet? Yeah, I do the same exact where's, thing. My right. keys go one place, my wallet and my phone, they all go in specific place, Some, a place or specific places. So I know where to look. Yeah. So something as nuanced or something as, as like, like arbitrary as that, I put a lot of focus on it. The quicker I learn my faults, the quicker I can solve them by adding a fail safe to it. If that makes sense. That's mm -hmm. what I was trying to say. Yeah. Like, you know, like, 
Like if, if, if like I have friends who love to drink or I have friends who love to like be around and be social. So if you know that you love drinking and you love being social right now, COVID is probably the worst time for you to be right. Like, cause you're probably going to find yourself on a beach with 30, 40 other people, right. Drinking and forgetting that you're supposed to be social distancing. Like those kind of scenarios for me is non-existent because I know I can't be in this space or I can't be because I know myself. Right. So I would say understanding getting intimate and learning learning your characteristic traits or in hawaiian we call them our ano yeah like learning what our ano is we can better resolve some of these things for future use and i and i think that that technique for me uh, it, it worked right I, i've used it a lot <laughs> any final words for our uh, listeners we're done already yeah. <laughs> i talked for like two hours no i mean just thanks for um taking the time to sit down talk uh, invite me talk story um oh no I, thank you for coming on man yeah i'm i'm i would I, i've been told from a mentor of mine that being published is the greatest um way that you can you can you can leave we call them inamona like leave things leave leave stuff for people to reference so i've made it a point the past five five years or so to do more things like this where you know, being published or just my thoughts and ideas is, is more and more relevant, you know, especially as I get older, you know, I want to be able to leave, uh, whatever it is that I do, if it's valuable to somebody. You're sharing it to the world. And also like yeah. you're putting it out there on platforms like YouTube, Spotify, iHeartRadio for your, like your children to listen to when they're 30, you know? Yeah. Hopefully YouTube is still around by then. <laughs> Maybe some other, four can, other versions of right, it. Right, but they can then. look back and see like, oh, who was dad when he was, you know, yep. younger? Being published. You know? yeah. A lot of people write, you know, and put out books. And I'm not a good writer, but, you know, so. Kyola, thank you so much, man. Thank you, Rob. Appreciate it. All right, everybody. Kyola Raposo. Oh, we hope. Stay happy, Hawaii.